Hey everyone, I'm Josh Loftus, and this is the Everyday of Monday podcast, the podcast where we talk about everyday people doing everyday things in everyday churches. Whether you're a pastor, a plumber, or that person that blocks both outlets with their charger instead of just plugging it into the bottom outlet to free up an outlet so I can charge my phone, that wasn't specific at all, uh, I guarantee you. Uh, This podcast is for you. This is where we find value in the trenches of Christian life. Welcome to Every Day a Monday. And with me in the trenches today, I've got a very special guest here to add some class and dignity to this motley crew of a podcast. She owns the uh, piano studio called Watson Music. She has a master's degree in biblical languages from Calvary Theological Seminary. Heyo. And she loves French press coffee. I'm talking about the one and the only Celeste Watson. Mrs. Watson, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Josh? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, totally. You mentioned before that you're a fan of the podcast. I'm super, super thankful and excited for that. So you know how this goes. Before we kind of jump into some of the questions here, just give us a short bio of who you are, what you do, kind of expound on the uh, on the short bio that uh, that I gave at the beginning there. Go for it. So my husband and I live in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We're both originally Midwesterners. We migrated here about four years ago and have been loving it. I am a piano teacher. I own my own piano teaching business and I work with the Lister Sync Institute, which is an organization that is devoted to spreading awareness about principles of good, efficient piano technique, hopefully to reduce the rate of injury oh. among pianists. And so I, okay. I work with that organization. I also embody those principles in my private teaching. So I'm mostly a, a piano teacher in the area. I'm currently doing the final push to get my recital finished and all that kind of stuff. So the end is in sight. Um, hopefully, yes. hopefully it's not an oncoming train. So, so I've got to ask because I'm a drummer. Okay. So I enjoy drums and there's been a lot of debate, um, whether or not that's actually an instrument or not. I'm going to say it is, uh, you, you might have <laughs> your own, your you. own opinion. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Seeing as how most of the critique has come from piano players. But, uh, <laughs> when you talk about, when you talk about, injuries involving playing the piano what like what are you talking about who's getting injured playing the piano (laughs) yeah that's a great question um it's kind of a sad statistic between 50 and 70 percent of professional musicians have an injury related to their instrument and it can be anything from carpal tunnel or tendonitis to more complicated things involving the neck and the shoulder and the spinal column. Uh, Okay. Um, Basically they just, you know, if you think about baseball or figure skating, there's good basic form in those sports Mm. and there's nothing in piano up to this point that has been defined as good basic form. And so imagine playing baseball or figure skating with no instruction about how to use your body. That's kind of what's going on in the piano world. You literally just described my entire high school sports career. So, <laughs> just fling yourself at the We're, instrument and go. Running, running through the entire thing with no no idea what to do with my body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. I was picturing like pianos falling on people and things like that. I'm just wondering <laughs> like how high those statistics are. But carpal tunnel and like, you know, spine. Yeah. That, that makes more sense. You got to have good posture, right? You're sitting yeah, for repetitive, a long time. repetitive motion injuries. There we go. There we go. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, the worst injuries I get is like when a stick breaks and it flies back and hits me in the eye, but those hurt. Those hurt. And there's there's not much. Yeah. There's not much that posture can do for that. Um, so as a piano teacher, um, 
I've got a lot of family that's really into music and teaches music and stuff like that. What's what what's one of the uh, what's one of the best parts of that job for you? And then on the other side of that, what's one of the hardest job? What's one of the hardest parts that's just maybe maybe the one aspect that's just frustrating? The best part of the job is when you get to see children and adults really experiencing joy in music. I think a lot of people come into taking music lessons or piano lessons thinking that the whole experience is going to be one of joy. And you know this as a drummer. It's actually a lot of hard work to play an instrument. And not the whole time is fun. So if I can give them one moment in every lesson where they really experience the joy of the sound they're creating or that they're creating with me, I think that's Mm. the best part because it it's such a genuine response that they have to the beauty of sound. And I think that's the best part. Um, I think the worst part would, I guess the worst part also has a best part. I think with any job, the worst part is always dealing with people and the best part is always dealing with people. So it's it's a job where there's a really important to communicate well with parents and really important to communicate well with students. When that goes well, it's a beautiful relationship. And when there are complications, it can get incredibly complicated. So people Mm -hmm. are the best and people are the hardest, I think. Yeah. Yep. No, I completely agree. Now, uh, teaching piano, was that something, how did you get into that? Are you, are you part of a very, uh, very musical family? Is that something that your parents pushed or is that just a hobby that you picked up at a certain time? So I think my parents started me out playing and they definitely were the ones that encouraged me to practice. I think that's what it takes for every student. And it was, the Mm -hmm. practice wasn't always voluntary. It's never voluntary sure. for any normal <laughs> student, I don't think. So it was That's for sure. Yeah. It was a discipline that my parents cultivated. And then when I kind of came of age and started really enjoying music, I knew that I wanted to be involved in education somewhere. And piano was yeah. my skill set. And so that's where I came into education. Um, I've always wanted right. to be teaching and that's my skill set. So that's how I came to be a piano cool. teacher. Right on. That's awesome. Yeah. No, my mom made me take two years of piano. Um, and then I came to the realization, wait, hold on. I can hold sticks and hit stuff. No, I'm going to do that instead. That sounds more fun. <laughs> so with all, for of all my mom's, uh, my mom's diligence, I was not a very good, good piano student, but, uh, so shifting gears a little bit into, um, your faith in Christ, your personal testimony, give us just kind of the rundown of how Christ found you, how, what the process looked like of you coming to Christ. So I think that process became began when I was very young. I know that everyone who comes to faith comes to faith at a different age. But mm. for me, it happened very young. I think it was one of the first memories that I have. I was probably around three years old. And my mom was telling me a visualized story about the shepherd who left the 99 to, to look for the one who was lost. And mm-hmm. she told the story and it had pictures that went along with it. And it was fairly accurate to the biblical text. It hadn't added a lot of stuff to the story to make it kid friendly. It was just basically the story. And at the end, yeah. she basically offered a gospel invitation. And I remember at that time, understanding that I was a sinner and that there was nothing that I could do to save myself, that that had to be God that could forgive my sin, that that wasn't something I could do for myself. Um, and, right. and now I know that that wasn't something that I came up with in my own mind, that that was something mm-hmm. that God showed to me at that time. And I remember kneeling in front of our brilliant burnt orange velvet couch and, <laughs> and praying to ask the Lord to forgive me for my sins. Um, and I was very young. So there's not a clear difference in my mind 
of what life was like before, because I don't think I really have any memories of what life was like before that point. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do know after that, that I think there was a desire in my heart to pray. And later on, um, I think the Lord has continued to give a desire to be in his word and to be with his people. But I don't Mm -hmm. know that it's something that I can look at clearly and say, this is what it was like before. This is what it was like afterwards. Because I was right. so young and also because my family loved the Lord. Like we had family devotions every single morning. We all gathered around the table yeah. and each of us had our personal devotions, but we did them as a group. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was all of these family structures that were in place to, to bring about good godly habits. Um, and so as an adult, it's been like, how do, I, how do I cultivate those habits on my own? Not just mm-hmm. kind of going with the flow in a context that's promoting those kinds of habits. Right. Right. Uh, Where do you go to church? And uh, what's one aspect of your church that you really, really appreciate and value? So my husband and I attend the, it's called Emmanuel Church of Winston-Salem. It's a newer church plant in the area. It's the daughter church of a Reformed Southern Baptist church. Maybe it's a Reformed Baptist church about two hours away. So technically we are associated with the Southern Baptist Convention, but we're very much Reformed Baptist and the church is Reformed Baptist in theology. All right, right on. Yeah, we've been going there for a while now. And I think the thing that we have appreciated the most has been um, the loving leadership and the care that the leadership has given uh, that we see continually them giving to the sheep and also to us. And that care of really being deeply rooted in their love of God and that overflowing into a genuine love of people and a genuine spirit of humility mm-hmm. when they interact with people. And we have just okay. so appreciated um, the attitude of the leaders and their love for the Lord and love for the church and love for the word. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. You know, and especially coming into a, a more reformed theology as well. Uh, it's always a comfort because we, we sadly, we often see so often that those that are in the reformed camp or what, what you and I would classify as the reformed camp. Uh, humility is not something that is often uh, used as a word to describe reformed people, unfortunately, <laughs> which is, which is sad, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I think that uh, I think we are moving away from that, thankfully slowly, mm-hmm. but it is always so encouraging for me to hear uh you know, people like yourself talking about their leadership and some of the first things that come out of their mouth is uh, humility, uh, service, you know, loving care. Like that's, that's, that's when, when I hear that, um, that is perhaps the most encouraging thing for me to hear because, because you can, you can have all the right theology, right? You can be preaching, you know, you know, fire sermons every Sunday, but if the love isn't there, right, we, Know that from Romans eight, you know, we're a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal, right? We have all the knowledge, but don't have love and humility. We're we're useless, right? It's yeah. just it's so encouraging for me to hear that. Yeah. Um. So when now when you say you're you're Reformed Baptist, there's a spectrum of Reformed <laughs> Baptist. So are you like Reformed Baptist in that? Yeah, that that's what we believe, or are you full like 1689 cigars and tattoos and bourbon Reformed Baptist? <laughs> like like where are you on this on this spectrum? Um, more towards the 1689. I and I actually right. wouldn't mind trying a cigar. I don't know if I should put that on the oh. podcast or not. I've never tried it, but it looks so cool when other people do it. 
<laughs> well, yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it always looks so so cool. Well, you know, Spurgeon, right? You you, you got know. Spurgeon there. He is a Reformed Baptist. He's the guy that started it. He's he's my guy. He's my favorite. Yeah, yeah doesn't Monergism right. have a T-shirt about Spurgeon and a cigar? Oh yeah. Well, there's so many t- there's there's the uh, uh, missional wear. I don't know oh, if you've yes, seen that. Missional wear. That's what Mis- I was thinking. Not missional wear. That's yeah, even yeah, beyond yeah, yeah. 1689. Yeah, it is. Yeah, modernism. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. It's a spectrum. Remember, it's a spectrum. Yeah, yeah. A spectrum. Uh, that's right. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. So uh, let's see. What are some of the primary ways that you uh, specifically are involved at your church there? That's a that's a great question. I'm going to back up in that and tell you about mm-hmm. a conversation that we had with our pastor when we joined the church. Because Paul comes from, my yeah. husband comes from a church family. His, his dad has been a pastor for, I think, almost 30 years. And we both have grown up in the church and have done all sorts of things in the church. And we've often found that we have become so busy in activity that somehow um, we were not truly prioritizing quieting our minds and hearts to worship God. We were just Mm -hmm. filling our church schedule with tons of activity and tons of staffing things. And so we had a conversation with our pastor about how do we know where we should serve in the church? Because we've done a lot of things. We can serve in kind of like, you know, we have, we were happy to serve wherever you need us, but how do we determine where the Lord would have us serve? And he said something that was super encouraging to us. And we've really been dwelling on and that was that the most important form of service is coming up to your brothers and sisters in the church and asking them, where have you been reading recently in the word? What's God mm-hmm. been teaching you? What's God doing in your life? How can I pray for you this week? And he told yeah. us the kind of ministry in the church you need to prioritize above anything and everything else is having gospel conversations with the people who are sitting next to you in the pews. And when that's happening, then any extra stuff like serving in the nursery or helping in children's ministry or the soundboard or being on the security team, that's good, but that's extra. Mm-hmm. The The first primary level of non-negotiables is where you really need to dig in as coming into this body. And then as you do that, you'll begin to see areas in the church where, hey, you can be involved in this way. Um, this summer, I'm going to be involved in some children's ministry stuff. And things like that. Um, But he really encouraged us to think about church ministry, not in terms of the staffing positions that we would fill, but in terms of the depth of relationship that we would cultivate with the people in the pews next to us and the intentionality of making those conversations distinctively Christian in nature, not just having a great fellowship about whatever secular thing. That mentality of having – because what I'm hearing is your pastor is saying, look, you can be doing – all these different stuff, right? But if it's not gospel-centered, if Christ isn't the center, if the spiritual care of your brothers and sisters isn't the reason you're doing this, uh, then it's just it's just going to be busy work, yeah. right? Um, because yeah, yeah, it, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with serving in children's ministry and nursery and all those. Yeah, we those need that. Things. That is those, are, those are fantastic things. But the reason you're doing it. That is what's important, right? The reasoning that you're serving in any aspect, whatever it is, um, that is what is vital. And it's the, mm-hmm. it's, it's the motivation for why am I getting plugged in? And your pastor is absolutely right. Um, we as a church, you know, you, you know, corporate, uh, 
need the mentality of when we are gathering together here and not only on Sunday, but throughout the week, right? We have a responsibility to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are the ones that God has placed in each other's lives to bring encouragement, bring conviction, uh, ask how you're doing and not being okay with just the simple, oh, we're busy answer, right? Because cause, cause that, cause everyone gives that, yeah. oh, we're really yeah. busy. We all know what that means. That means something's going on. Yeah, uh, yeah your pastor's 100% correct. That's very encouraging to hear that that kind of mentality is being fostered there at the church um, because that makes any aspect of ministry that you're serving in so much deeper. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I think it also it also relieves the – it takes the emphasis off we have to staff all these things, which is important. Mm-hmm. We do need to staff, yep. you know, whatever. Yes. And it puts the emphasis right. back onto the heart of the gospel, which is discipleship and relationship. And if I am so busy with staffing and with activity that I've forgotten Mm -hmm. to disciple and be discipled myself, I've completely missed the point. So in what ways, you know, talking about service and, and, and getting plugged in, you already mentioned that your pastor had this conversation with you. So it sounds like they're having these types of conversations to facilitate service. Uh, and involvement, getting plugged into the church, but but what 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 ways is the leadership there, uh, your your church just in general? What ways do they facilitate and really encourage the members to get plugged in uh, into the local body? I think in some ways it looks a lot like probably other churches, um, and I think in some ways it looks different than other churches. There's still the opportunities to serve in nursery and in children's ministry, um, serving at the soundboard and things like that. So there's all the, there's many of those normal positions that do need to be staffed mm-hmm. just to help give people an environment in which they can wholeheartedly focus their thoughts on worshiping God. But there's also a very real sense in which they have communicated to us that they've been trying to, as much as possible, minimize those staffing positions so that people mm-hmm. can be in, more intentional about interacting with one another. So for example, we don't have greeters. We don't have people handing out bulletins because they want us to be doing those things. They want us to be interacting with the visitors and meeting them sure. and, and those sorts of things. And so there's a huge emphasis on organically loving and interacting with the people that you see, even if you don't necessarily know them by name. The real service opportunity is the people that you're sitting with. And they always say, make time to stay after the service and have conversation, be in each other's home, right. be in each other's houses for lunch all of those kinds of ways. Right. They're very intentional with trying to develop organic Christian fellowship. And that's where I think a lot of the service comes. Yeah. And that's where the growth comes, right? That's where the, you know, the accountability of, of other believers and the encouragement of other believers and, and conviction from our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's where it comes from. When you think about work just as a whole, how does your faith in Christ, the fact that you are a Christian, how does that affect and infect your view of work? I think two ways. The first is I always think of what my mother said, and I don't know if it was original to her or if she was quoting my grandmother, but she would always say that work was not a result of the fall. Work existed before the fall. Labor was a result Mm -hmm. of the fall, but work is a good thing. We were designed by God to work and to cultivate the earth, to take responsibility for the things that he entrusts to us. And so I think theologically looking at work, thinking about that, that it's not a result of the fall um, and that we have a responsibility to steward 
the things that have been given to us really, really well with excellence. And even thinking about that, mm-hmm. it does not have to be laborious, although sometimes it is. But we should sure. work with that mindset of this is not a curse. This is a gift. This is the design of God. This is designed to be normative. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think of is where Paul talks about uh, you should work not as I serve. Uh, how does it work? Not with eye service as men pleasers, not just mm-hmm. because people are watching, but you should really work as unto the Lord. And that's a really big challenge to me because a lot of the work that I've done for a lot of years has been work that I do by myself. And mm-hmm. it's really, really challenging when you work alone to really work as unto the Lord, because there's no one watching you. There's no one checking up on you. It's the easiest thing in the world to just drift off and spend time on your phone. And it's something I struggle with all the time and getting distracted, not using my time well, not working. And then when someone comes in, I change. I'm like, oh, I need to like act like I'm working now. Uh, I'm working toward the Lord. (laughs) Yeah, but that's like, that's eye services, men pleasers. Um, Right. And so when I say that, I'm preaching to myself because I need to be more like that. I think we need to retrain and reshape our minds into what it actually looks like to be bringing God glory in literally everything that we do, because we do some pretty monotonous stuff that doesn't really, uh, doesn't really have any type of bearing on life whatsoever. (laughs) I I, I will make a comment here. I hope this doesn't sound sexist, but I do know that generally as females, we are the ones who tend to be more responsible for the house. Not always. And my husband (laughs) is awesome about pitching in and helping. But generally, if yeah. I'm going to be general. And I think there, yep. that we see that so often in our work. It tends to be so repetitive. I fill the dishwasher every single stinking morning with the same stinking mm. dishes. And I take them out yeah. the next day. And it's the same thing over and over again. And I sometimes you just want something that will be done and stay done. And nothing in homekeeping is done and stays done. You do the same thing. Right today that you did yesterday. And you know that in 25 years, if you are still in a house, you'll be doing the same things all mm-hmm. over again. It can yeah. be really discouraging, yeah. but that's, uh, that's okay because we just need to give God, God glory in that. Well, we do. And, and, and I think, you know, maintaining that, you know, again, that, that kind of reframing of our minds that every single time you load that dishwasher, right. Or every single time you, you sweep the floor or it's another load of laundry uh, is an opportunity Mm-hmm. for you to thank the Lord that he's given you the motor skills mm-hmm. that he's given you the, the ability to have dishes that we can eat food off of that are clean, yeah. you know, that, that all of the blessings of being under a, a wonderful house with a roof that keeps us dry, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I, I, again, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here because I do not do that at all. I mm-hmm. very rarely thank God for this small things because I, in my mind, I see them as insignificant, right? It's like, well, of course I have a house. Why wouldn't I? It's like, no, 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 no. You have a house. (laughs) You have a dishwasher. You have a job. You have, you know, you know, all of these things that God has given you that make life so much simpler. Mm -hmm. And I find myself like the Israelites every single day. Like God gives me manna. He gives me quail and I complain (laughs) and it's like, I don't want this. What is this? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's like like we were saying, it's it's that it's that reframing of the mind that everything is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Every piece of service is an opportunity. Every monotonous little detail of life is an opportunity for us to gospelize it, right? Reframe yeah. it, twist it around, and realize this is from God. This is a gospel centered moment for me, right? Um, 
And I'm horrible at that. I'm so bad at that. <laughs> I really am. That's such an important challenge, though, to think about that because you hear that a lot, but to really sit down and think about, okay, it actually is an act of worship to do each of these mm-hmm. things and to think really intentionally about that. That's that's a wonderful challenge. Um, so, hey, when you think about uh, you know correct good and bad reasons on 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 both sides, good and bad reasons of serving in church. What do you think are some good motivations for serving? And then what do you think are some bad motivations for wanting to get plugged in? Mm, let's start with bad ones. <laughs> I think a bad reason to be involved in service in church, I think thinking of the act in and of itself as being somehow good or value, valuable or beneficial when it's divorced mm-hmm. from the relational context. Anything that would take the act of service away from I'm ministering to my brother and sister intentionally. I think that would be a problem, mm. but the service always has to come okay. from the relationship that you should have with your community. Never just because mm. I'm going to serve just to get it done or just because it needs to be done. And then on the positive side, I guess it would be to truly be motivated by a, a desire to humbly serve your brothers and sisters in whatever way you can and not, mm. not in any way doing it because you think it looks good for you to be doing this particular service or you think people will notice. And I'm again, preaching to myself. Um, But you should really, I should really serve because I see a need there and I see that I can meet that need. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Um, So Celeste, you know, growing up in the church, uh, anybody who has grown up in the church or served in church, whatever it is for any amount of time, has the unforgettable and funny stories, right? (laughs) We all have those moments that we think of that we're like, oh, yeah, I remember when that happened. Um, What what is that for you? Share share with me a funny or an unforgettable like (laughs) moment or story from from church experience. So I was very blessed quite some time ago to be working in a staffing position in a church. And it was a church that loved the Lord and loved his people. And I worked on staff at the church and it was one very quiet day at the office. And we were doing some renovations in the building and it was two wonderful godly men who were doing the renovations. um, And they were older, significantly older, older than what you normally would think they would be doing (laughs) construction projects, but they did a phenomenal job. They did a phenomenal job. It was wonderful. But I was sitting down, doing my job. And all of a sudden, one of them came down and said, we need you upstairs right away. A drill fell off the top of the stepladder and the drill bit end hit this guy in the head. Do you have a first aid kit? Oh, oh, Uh, oh, nobody wants to hear that. No, no. It was this horrible moment of, oh, no, there's literally nobody else in the building. It's me and these two older gentlemen. Um, oh, no. And I was envisioning this horrible scene of blood and guts all over. That's right. And I went up and this man is going to die. Yes. And I was just imagining blood everywhere. And of course I had, <laughs> I don't think I even had hydrogen peroxide. We didn't have band-aids. We had nothing. So we went up and by the grace of God, it was not as severe as it could have been. And uh, we ended funny. up getting it cleaned okay. and there was an emergency trip to CVS to buy hydrogen peroxide and, you know, all those sorts okay. of things. But we actually got him fixed up pretty well. He didn't end up needing stitches. And uh, oh, good. I was very relieved, it, but it was by far the most memorable experience I've ever had in church. <laughs> can I ask a strange question? You sure can. Go and you for don't it. have to put this on the podcast because no, I know no, it's I realize going this is the other way. 
so you always yeah. ask your guests this question. I'm assuming this means you yeah. have an epic church story. So what's your epic oh, church I've story? Got- I've, I've got a few. So I was in youth ministry. So I've got, I've got a few. Um, oh gosh. Okay. One, one right off the cuff. You're putting me on the spot here. Okay. Oh no. Okay. So I was running an all nighter, uh, for when I was uh, back as youth pastor running an all nighter, uh, which is just an awesome idea in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Right. And I had this awesome idea that, um, and this will just show you just the, my mentality of ministry back then is I had this awesome idea that we should play, uh, dodgeball. Um, mixed with kind of a tag element, but it'd be really, really fun if it was in the dark, uh. <laughs> right? <laughs> so uh, we're doing this. It's going fine. The music is cranking, right? And, um, you know, these dodgeballs are flying all over the place. And then I have this kid come up to me. Uh, he's he's an eighth grader. He's holding his mouth. I'm like, oh, okay, he got bonked in the mouth, right? And... Um, I'm like, okay, what's up, buddy? And uh, and he comes up to me, and he he's holding in his hand a, a tooth. Oh. He had gotten hit in the mouth with I don't know what a dodgeball or an elbow. <laughs> I don't know what. And I ask him, he's like, I ask him, uh, was that a baby tooth? And he looks at me <laughs> wide eyed, and he goes, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, oh gosh! So I like, I, I ran him into the bathroom. We washed it out, put uh, put some ice on it, and then he comes out five minutes later. He's like, okay, can I go back in? Uh. And I'm like, sure, go ahead. <laughs> so I sent him back in there, and um, you know, honestly, to this day, I think it was a baby tooth because I've seen pictures of him recently, and he has a full uh, he has a full head of teeth. So that's, that's one story. Um, I was, uh, I was an idiot, but yeah, he, he was a trooper. Like he came out, he lost a tooth and within five minutes he was back in there throwing dodgeballs. So I was, I was actually quite impressed. That's impressive. Yeah. Um, any youth pastors that are out there right now, like, please just learn from my, my idiosity. Don't do dodgeball in the dark. Like <laughs> do either like hide and seek in the dark. Well, no, don't do that either. Honestly, youth group games are dumb. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'm a jaded, yeah. I'm a jaded old man now. Like youth group yeah. games are dumb. Yeah. I think any, any <laughs> group, yeah, any group game collectively is, <laughs> is bordering, is bordering on that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Any type of group activity, especially at work. Like if you have that weird manager who's like, all right, yeah. group, group, yeah. you know, team building time yeah. and like get in a circle yeah. and like chant something. I'm just like, just kill me. Please kill me now. Like put a drill bit <laughs> through my head. Like, is there any drill bits around here? Come on. All right. Well, Celeste, we have um, come to close to the end of the podcast. Uh, we've got Monday hot takes next. But before that, we have... Our announcement, as our listeners have hopefully know, we have been running a giveaway for the past two weeks. We are giving away um, church membership by uh, Jonathan Lehman. It's one of the Nine Marks books, and uh, we have a winner, and we have compiled all of the names from all of our social media sites and pulled a name out, and the name, the winner of the book, our first giveaway is Hannah Stockton. So Hannah if you are listening to this, which you entered the giveaway, so I hope you are, uh, Hannah Stockton, send me your shipping address either in a private message on Facebook or Instagram, um, whatever you want. You can send us an email. Uh, send me that info, and I will ship the book out to you as quickly as possible. No charge to you, and you'll be receiving 
that book in the mail. So Hannah Stockton, congratulations. Well done. Um, for those of you who did not win, I'm sorry. That's just how it goes. But this is our first of many, many, many giveaways. We'll be starting a new one here very, very soon. I think we're just going to kind of keep it a regular thing. Always have a giveaway going. All right, Celeste, here we go. Monday hot takes. This is when I ask you a bunch of random questions and you give me the first thing that pops into your head. You ready for these? Okay. All right, let's do it. Starting off, you're a music gal. So favorite band or slash musical artist? Uh, classical or non-classical? I'm I'm tempted to say both, but I'm pretty sure the majority of my elite, my listeners aren't going to know classical. So let's go non-classical on this one. Oh, okay. Non-classical. <laughs> I really like Indelible Grace, kind of that folksy style. Oh, yeah. It's been a while yeah. since I listened yep. to them, but they're probably my favorite. Uh, let's see. Coffee or tea? Coffee, but only if it's my husband's coffee. What is something about current Christian culture that's annoying to you? Mm. Oh. And being part of the Southern Baptist Convention, I'm sure you have a lot oh. to be annoyed about. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think all of the worship music from the early 2000s. Can I just say all of that? Yeah. Everything that I grew up, like, like Shout to the North, singing all this stuff in youth group, and it was just so oh, horrible. Yeah. And I'm just so thankful that we aren't singing that stuff anymore. I went to a church. Where was I visiting? And they were singing Days of Elijah. <gasps> oh, my. Remember that one? Yes, the, Days are the Days of Elijah. I actually kind of <laughs> liked that song when I was, when I was uh, in college. <laughs> I know. Well, I saw myself singing. I'm like, what does this even mean? Oh, no. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it was so wonderfully liberating because I, I, we didn't grow up with anything with a backbeat or anything with drums. So I yeah, went to college so- and heard Days of Elijah and I was like, I just want to dance. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. All the dispensationals love Days of Elijah. We are in the Days of Elijah. <laughs> this is now. It's happening now. <laughs> I feel like, oh, yeah, never mind about that. <laughs> If you could close one fast food chain, which one would it be? Arby's. I hate their roast beef. It's disgusting. Oh, really? All right. Arby's is out. All right. If you could disinvent one thing, what would it be? Uh, probably all video technology. Whoa, oh, that hurts. I know. I know. Cause that we're looking hurts. at each other See, I, video. Well, we are, and I'm a videographer. Oh, uh, that's so why. Sorry. So that's a... <laughs> hurts you're you're stabbing me in the heart you're stabbing me in my lenses that hurts uh let's see okay uh if you could um oh okay we're going deep on this one okay if you had to lose one of your five senses which one would it be probably feeling whoa really probably yeah um okay is there an app on your phone that you hate but you use anyway um, no, but there are ones that I hate that I wish weren't on my phone. All that stuff that comes stock from Android, anything that won't conform to like my widget, you know, mega, uh, meta narrative. If it doesn't fit, I just wish it was gone, but <laughs> I can't uninstall it. <laughs> your meta narrative. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, I need a go-to karaoke song. Do you have a recommendation? Oh boy. Let's see. Okay. You're into theology. Or music um, theater, if that's if that gives you some. Oh, um, what? When were you born? Eighty nine. Eighty nine. Okay, so so you can be classified as eighties. Yeah, that's good. That helps. Um, all right. Carry on, wayward son, by Kansas. Oh, somebody told me about Kansas one time. I'll have to listen to it. Yep, it's very interesting because they were one of those bands that were like they had Christian members. Uh, so a lot of their songs are like very like 
philosophically, theologically influenced, which is very strange. Hmm. Uh, that song that I mentioned to you is very Prodigal Son-esque. Like okay. you, you read it and it's, and they weren't Christian. They weren't a Christian band, uh, which, you know, controversial statement is probably why they were good. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. I agree with you. <laughs> In all honesty, but yeah, carry on wayward son. Go listen to it by Kansas. Good stuff. It's, it's rocking. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you know, it's, it, it it's rocking, but I think, I think you would like it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'll do that. All right. Well, Celeste, it has been a joy, a privilege, and an honor having you on. It's been so much fun. Uh, Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a ton of fun. Right on. Well, hey, everyone, you can head on over to iTunes and leave a raving review and a five-star rating. That really helps us out. That gets the podcast in front of a lot more faces, a lot more ears, whatever. Uh, I did this last time. I don't know what I'm saying. It gets it in front of people. Go do it. That'd be great. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Music, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts. We are there. Head on over to Facebook.com slash Everyday Monday Podcast and Instagram at Everyday A Monday Pod. And congratulations again to Hannah Stockton. Send me your info. You'll be getting the book in the mail. And be on the lookout, guys, for more giveaways coming up really, really soon. Thank you all for joining us in the trenches today. Uh, We will catch you on the next step of Every Day a Monday.